Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women a chance to get honest and open about what it's really like surviving and thriving in what often feels like a male-dominated world. All of my guests have been handpicked from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real issue. I know this only too well, having been a mechanical engineer myself for a number of years. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, now a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation over the years, and through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. These women are true trailblazers, and I often have felt so empowered myself by learning what they're like as real people, usually when the cameras have been turned off. Each week on Silence, one of these women shares her unique experiences and truth without the usual pressure of having to promote her accomplishments or uphold an image or facade. How? Because all of my guests are deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we as listeners are not distracted or even intimidated by all the usual kinds of societal labels. The women of STEM on this show have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us, and I want to share the inspiration and wisdom that I have enjoyed from them with you. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even leave some comments and reviews. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of DevOps engineering. Hi. Hello, good morning. How are you? Uh, terrific. I'm just getting my week started, so uh, I'm excited to be here with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for agreeing to um, come on the show. How did you feel when you found out that it was anonymous? You know, I had done uh, a fair amount of just different talks, public events before, so there are a couple of different feelings, I guess mixed feelings. One is I'm used to having to prepare something where I know it's it's partially just sharing with the community and being open, but also to be able to, to highlight some, some personal info about myself. But here, I guess it's a little bit uh, more open where I can be able to share things without having to relate it or tie it to myself personally or use it as a tool of some other kind. So I guess it's just a little bit more of a way to have a candid conversation, I suppose. Yeah, it takes some getting used to because I think we live in a world where, especially as women, we have to be so mindful of the way we carry ourselves, particularly at work. Do you find that? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely at work. And also, I feel like as as women that are uh, building and, and becoming prominent in their different professions, there's the added pressure of your performance at work, but also in, in the public space because everything is so social and connected now. So there's almost this expectation that if you get to leadership in your field, that you're not only doing your job at work, you're doing um, promotion and engaging on different mediums like Twitter. You're also out there and writing blog posts and doing toxic conferences and so on. And so there's, mm-hmm. there's this kind of accumulation of the way that you're behaving and presenting yourself and the things that you have to do to be able to be, I guess, recognized as a leader in your field or whatever you'd like to say. Yeah. I mean, do you feel that pressure personally to uphold a certain image or are you truly yourself at work? I think I have done just throughout my career a bit of segmenting of my myself as a professional versus myself uh, personally. So I'm... I'm myself in the professional sense, but there are enough just either, I wouldn't quite say walls, but I I don't completely let myself go, I suppose, at work when I'm interacting with colleagues and talking, you know, there are certain, certain things that I'll um, reserve for just personal life that I might not either bring up at work or I might not act uh, just because I'm, I'm kind of in this different mode of you know, being in a workplace or being in the office or so on. Yeah. And I think it definitely varies as well, depending on on the industry that I'm in, because I'm uh, in a little bit more of a formal corporate industry right now. And the way that I uh, express myself in a personal way at work is very different than when I was at a startup, for example, Mm. because I was previously a very creative startup and the culture was very different. And so I think I've 
done a lot to sort of adapt myself to the culture that I'm in um, and let those pieces of my, I guess, personality uh, be present in the workplace. That's so interesting. I've never, I've been very aware of the difference between corporate and startup, but I've never actually thought about the fact that startups are a lot more relaxed in their approach. Oh, absolutely. It would be common for uh, at the startup, for example, if uh, we all wanted to work from our, we had a common area with sofas and so on. So you know, we would have a few of us that would have our laptops there working and in getting our work done, everybody was very driven and motivated, but there was a lot more of that. Um, there was also some camaraderie where we would be working, but we might chat about music or, you know, movies and take a little bit of a side tour to talk about that or to discuss some something really interesting that's happening in the world of you know, AI or machine learning or some, something like that. Yeah, I mean, how much of the um, professional facade that you exist behind is down to gender? Or do you think both sexes have to deal with that? I'm not sure, to be honest. I think that pe- both genders in general have, uh, just people that are working have this kind of conscious separation of who you are professionally versus who you are personally, I feel like there's a lot more integration between people's lives now as far as their their workplace mm-hmm. and work life and personal life because so much more of us is online and connected. Right. On silence, we talk about gender differences, but then there are some women I talk to where it's just not even an issue. I mean, they're in a workplace and maybe in a at a time in history where gender issues aren't such a big deal. But have you ever been conscious of them yourself? I've definitely been conscious of particularly just the the dialogue that's been happening around that. Uh, when I first started working in tech, I had, I suppose, the benefit of working in a very mixed environment from, from the beginning. So I had been interning at a startup while I was in school and it was a, a pretty wide mix. So at, at that point, it wasn't something that I had really uh, thought about or, or realized. And coming out of school, I was also actually very lucky in that I was at a small managed service provider consulting company that had a pretty good gender balance of uh, female and male engineers. But I had also at, at some point later on in my career realized that there were, and as I changed jobs, there were several jobs and roles I was at where I would be the either the only female engineer, the only female at uh, certain meetings where we would have several people there. Uh, sometimes I'd be the only female and the youngest person in the room, sometimes by you know 10 years or and so just as, as I went through uh, the industry, I had started to get involved with some different women's tech groups, uh, more just because I, I realized that there's this space for being able to engage with and interact with other women and that there is sort of this uh, uh, gap in uh, the number of women that are in, in the tech field. So there are two pieces of it where one, I had really the benefit of of being able to be exposed to and interact with these very mixed environments. But I think I'm very conscious of it right now because it's very much something that's in the public dialogue where there are a lot of things that are happening in the news, in the media, um, throughout the tech industry, there's a very, very hyper uh, conscious focus and hypersensitivity around the issues of gender. And I think it, it is a very complicated thing that, um, is happening because the ideal is that we have this sort of diverse environment, diverse backgrounds and perspectives, because that's a really valuable thing on on the team to have. I guess we'll end up talking more about that. But going right back um, to your early years, did you know that you were going to end up doing what you do? First of all, what do you do? What is a DevOps engineer? So there, there are two parts there, and so I think this might be a little bit of a long background, uh, but I absolutely didn't know that I was going to end up in technology. I had, I think from the age of maybe 
five or six thought that I was going to be a doctor. And specifically, I don't know how I landed on this, but I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. Um, so for for many, many years, everybody in my family and extended family knew, you know, that's that's what she wants to do. That's what she's been talking about since since she was a kid. I you know, took my MCATs. I was a pre-med student. Uh, but somewhere in college, I, I realized that this this was something that I didn't have the, the passion for, that I wasn't, uh, that the dream that I had when I was a kid was not the same as, as kind of my goals and um, motivations and interests as an adult. And so I, I kind of switched uh, midway through and at the time was just, you know, working at a startup and started to get really interested in te- into technology. And I sort of fell into that field by accident and found out that I, I really loved it. So I ended up kind of switching tracks in in that direction. Um, and then, as, so that's, I think, the first part of it, uh, getting to, to being in the tech industry to begin with. And then the second part, as far as DevOps engineering, uh, I guess very loosely, it falls in the field of computer systems engineering. Uh, it's sort of an evolution of this sort of traditional part of tech that is sort of systems administration and operations, working with servers, uh, infrastructure, uh, databases, and so on. And it's sort of been evolving currently where uh, DevOps is almost the next iteration of that, where it involves a lot more integration with the development and mm-hmm. software engineering teams. Um, so there's uh, a little bit of, of coding involved. There is a lot of working with creating tools that will help the developers deploy their code onto uh, systems and so on. So for example, if uh, you have a website and uh, developers working on creating this website, the role of DevOps might be to set up the systems on the back end that allow that to run. Uh, the systems that allow that website to perform if you go from 100 users to uh, 100,000 users. So we're working on a lot of these, these back end systems and infrastructure, responding if there are issues, helping to create and develop tools. Um, and it's a it's actually a can be a very different role depending on the type of organization that you're in the type of organization the type of product that they have your role might involve just different pieces of, of work gosh i mean did you have to go for specific training for that or were you able to make that turn from pre-med so it's it's definitely been uh uh I guess an evolving process because one, I ended up fi- finishing with you know a, a liberal arts bachelor of arts degree from school. I had been double majoring at the time in like molecular bio and uh, and, and literature. And when I decided not to go pre med, I just finished with my literature degree. So I don't even have a tech degree, but. I had taken a couple, there are a lot of boot camps out there. So somewhere, you know, after about a, a year of being out of school, I had taken some uh, boot camps that were more certification related to specific tech certs at the time. Um, and that school actually ended up going out of business while I was attending the program. So it was like I had gotten midway through. It was maybe, a, I think, a six-week thing. Uh, but outside of that, a, a lot of the, the learning and education, and um, this is something I found with a lot of people that are in sort of the systems administration operations field, just ends up being ongoing because some of the tools that we're using right now have only been around for a couple of years. So there's this cycle of um, training and learning some uh, some on the job, some on my own, sometimes going to workshops or conferences, um, doing just sort of these online sort of informal, uh, there are a lot of good resources online for learning tech and coding and so on. Yeah. But it's definitely just kind of this ongoing cycle of sort of training and retraining to be able to learn and evolve with the new tools and skills that um, are required it sounds like a lot of self-direction was involved because I think one of the 
not problems, but slight downsides of being at university is that you don't really learn much about the real world until you finish. And then that's like starting from the beginning and, you know, having to learn life from scratch. Definitely. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that sort of continuous loop of self-direction because even even looking at some of the, the tools and some of the things that you can focus on, I mean, there is so much out there happening in the world of technology that it's just not possible to absorb and know and be expert at all of the things. And that's, I think, sometimes the... The pressure, especially because as when you come into an organization or as a tech resource, you know, there are all of the questions or people end up reliant on you for being able to know or support or work on um, a certain thing or a certain type of technology. I suppose there's somewhat of that balance of being able to um, learn and focus on what's needed uh, for for the work that you're doing at hand, but then also sort of looking ahead to to build and and evolve with some of the new tech that's coming out. Mm. Um, and to know when to focus on what is, you know, it, it's kind of a gamble. You don't know necessarily. Sometimes there may be two or three competing tools that come out or two competing technologies or or pieces of software where they solve the same problem uh, and maybe two or three years down the line, one specific piece of software emerges as the sort of leader in the market or as sort of the, the, the front runner, but there may not be a way of knowing that in the beginning. And so there's, there's sort of this evolution, but also the ability to kind of switch your skills if something seems like it's the the tool or the tech that's more in demand right now. Is your job very competitive? As far as my my role itself, yeah. I, I don't know if I would necessarily characterize it as competitive. Uh, the The organization that I'm at is, is pretty collaborative. Um, I know that there are, are people that may be individually competitive, but as far as just the, um, the space that I'm in currently, um, I know that there is some space where people would like to be and, and achieve and uh, create the best things. But as far, as far as where I'm oriented and maybe the things that I focus on, I like that's something I guess that I personally don't feel. It sounds like you've always been very much in the STEM fields. How easy were those subjects for you growing up? Like, were you a natural? I don't know if I would say natural or how I would characterize that. I was I was just a very good student in general. Uh, so that was something that had always kind of been ingrained in me is uh, just I, I studied well. I just sort of naturally had excelled in classes. I was bumped up ahead a year when I was in elementary. So it was something that as kind of at a young age, I had always just kind of really been interested in um, interested in learning, interested in um, being able to to have that sort of curiosity about new things. Uh, mm. I, I had done a lot of reading. My my um, mom had my mom was a nurse, and she had all of these you know science books uh, about different topics uh, that would be in the closet. So I would I pull it down at I don't remember what age and you know, maybe not understand 70% of the words that are in there, but I would put little sticker, sticky notes and, you know, highlight and write in the margins. Yeah, so this is real fascination or thirst for learning. Uh, yes. And who inspired you growing up? Like, did you have role models or just people uh, encouraging you? I think definitely my my parents had definitely that, that focus on... Um, School and school and excelling, there was always very much that uh, push, uh, <clears throat> sometimes a gentle push, sometimes a hard push to, to do well in school and, and to study and so on. Uh, but also, I think just that excitement of, and interest about the world around you. And I, I guess I, I the, the last point to that is I did have 
uh, teachers around that would definitely encourage that as well. That would be, uh, that would kind of see that I was interested and um, that would try to be able to, to sort of encourage and, and give me sort of that attention or insight. Is that because you wanted that attention or was it that they could see the potential in you? Maybe it was both. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, and, and definitely on, I think, the potential side of things, I was very much a quiet student and didn't like getting a lot of attention. Uh, in fact, I sometimes would not want to do as well as, as I did in classes just because uh, it would get me a lot of attention and I was really self-conscious about that. So it took me a little bit of time to be able to to get past that, get past the, the point of feeling it's okay to be able to be recognized for excelling or achieving and so on. How did you feel when you did leave medical school? Um, well, I was still a, a pre-med student at the time, so at least I hadn't gotten to that last phase. But it was very much, uh, I guess, mixed feelings because one, it had been sort of an anchor that I knew I was directing myself towards. But with with tech, it ended up being a lot more ambiguous. I didn't, I had been working at the this startup at the time and had been interested in that uh, personally, but I think I didn't quite realize or know that is what I wanted or that is where I wanted to go or that is what my, my future career path would be. So I think coming out of school, there was definitely this period of time of, not really not really knowing or having that answer about what's what's next uh once i once i fell into tech and and started working there i i didn't have any question anymore i knew that the, that's what i wanted to be doing and that's where i wanted to be and i've spoken with some uh, friends and just other people in my life that are might not know or or have that that uh clear focus or idea of where they're passions or future career path lies, which is definitely an okay thing. But uh, I knew once I started working in the tech world that that was something that I really loved. Uh, But that space in between was definitely kind of a weird place for me to be because I think it took about, uh, I I ended up actually finishing college early as well because I had a lot of units from uh, double majoring. Uh, And so when I dropped my my second major, I, I said, okay, well, I could... I could hang out here for a little bit or I could sort of get on with and, and try to figure out where I'm going to be next. Um, so I, I finished, I graduated. And that year I spent doing a lot of different things, you know, kind of just being out and floating on the uh, market. Not not quite a sort of a year off, but also sort of looking and, and exploring. And uh, that, that was just a time of a lot of, uh, you know, kind of questions and trying to understand where I wanted to be. Yeah, I mean, what kind of questions were going through your head? Because I think it's quite a common thing to change career paths. You know, our career lives are quite long on average. Oh, yeah. And not many people end up doing what they studied. Um, Absolutely. Um, Gosh, so this, I mean, it's been quite a while since I've been out of school. So uh, I think at that time, just the, mostly it was centered around, you know, the what's next. Um, The, the career, more currently, the career change and uh, question is something I think that's been coming up with a, a lot of peers recently where it's very oriented around, you know, like I'm, I'm here in this sort of mid-career space and uh, a lot of it is maybe not changing industries, but also looking at the evolution of my career because especially with um, the roles that I've been in, the, the, the two very general tracks are, you know, you can kind of continue on with uh, becoming a senior engineer in in that specific specialty, or maybe even developing another specialty beyond that. I think that specialty is um, 
data and databases, for example, or is in architecture of a certain kind, systems architecture of a certain kind. And so there's this sort of senior engineering track. And then there's the engineering management track, which is also another path of the evolution um, career-wise. And so I think that with that career change and, and career evolution, it definitely becomes a thing of, well, you know, what what's next to be able to, to grow to or to be able to level up to, I guess. Mm. I mean, do you think maybe you switched careers from neuroscience or, you know, that kind of field, the medical field, uh, to the tech field because it was unpredictable? I don't know if it was necessarily that it was unpredictable, but I knew at, at the time when I started working in tech that it was exciting and that it was new and that there was this constant uh, cycle of being able to learn and do something that I have not done before. Yeah, I can see how this um, opportunity to be right at the forefront of technological change can be very alluring. Yes, oh, definitely. So as a woman um, in an industry that is constantly evolving and growing, how have you been able to plan out your life? Do you even have a plan or a vision? Um, you know, I have constantly changing plans. I uh, have a tendency to over plan, you know, I'll, I'll plan, you know, weekly, quarterly, monthly, uh, long term, and then I'll go back and and sort of do another iteration of that and completely scrap my old plan. So, I guess it's 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 a lot of continuous reflection again. I guess of of looking at at where where I am and and what I'm. Um, looking at in in the coming year for example like the things that i want for myself uh, goals and priorities wise so i think there's that sort of constant reevaluation of uh, you know right now what are the things that drive me or are important to me that i'm looking for in my life to have and i mean that that's a, a changing target you know mm. What so? What is important to you, and and where do you see yourself uh, in the future? Like, what are your ambitions? I think I'm actually in the middle of a cycle of of trying to to sort that out. I was actually doing business coaching for a good portion of last year, uh, not doing the coaching myself, but but uh, seeing a business coach for that purpose of looking at where I wanted to go, uh, just career wise, personally. Um, and uh, I think that's definitely something that I'm, I'm sorting out. I, I did know I, I started at a new job not too long ago and I had been, um, so a few years back, I was at a company that I'd been at for uh, maybe about five or six years. I was uh, basically running the IT department over there. So I was kind of at this level that was um, comfortable, you know, I had leadership, I was doing some leadership and, and so on, but it didn't really give me a lot of space to be able to grow and move forward. Right. And, uh, and so at that point, you know, I, I decided that it was, it's about time that I had to, to figure out what was next. So I spent a couple of years, you know, and I think where I'm at now and where I landed was because I wanted to really start learning and diving deep and to be able to build some uh, skills that I just wasn't able to focus on as far as new technologies go. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be able to one, one do that, but also just to be able to start um, focusing on a few other things, maybe doing some more um, uh, writing, like maintaining my personal website, uh, uh, submitting for conference talks and so on. What are your conference talks on? Like, do you have a specific interest? Particularly in, in DevOps, there are a few topics that I uh, had been looking at. Um, and so I, I've got a few different ideas right now, but um, I'm still working on like fully fleshing them out. Right. So it's it's all within your industry. You're just figuring out how to have a direction yes a specific direction yeah, yeah definitely I guess that's a very career-based conundrum mm-hmm. basically it sounds like you're you're always constantly asking yourself like 
Am I doing what's right for me? Does this feel good? Am I happy? Would you say that's fair to say? Uh, yes. So um, do you think that's a conventional way of handling it? or Because I, I don't know anyone that does what you do. And I'm just wondering whether your approach to your career is common within your field or whether you're quite unusual within your industry. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, uh, how... Uh, unique or common it is, I guess, within the the community that I'm in and the community that I reach out to. Um, I'm around people who also are kind of interested in focusing on, you know, what um, of, of, and on focused on not necessarily being on just autopilot where you come in, you do your work and you leave, but more of looking at um, you know, what, what's next? What, where would I like to go? What do I want out of my life? What, um, you know, what would I like to, uh, be able to kind of contribute in a larger sense? Some people really don't think about themselves. Um, they just kind of, you know, as you sort of, um, hinted at like this idea of just, you know, some people just want to go in at nine and leave at five. Uh, do their job thoroughly, but they don't kind of reflect on it. But it sounds like you you do put the effort in to reflect on your happiness within your job. Um, and I'm just wondering if that is uh, a, a trend of people within your industry, because I, I know nothing about your industry. So I'm wondering if it's a trend within your industry or whether um, it's more personal to you and the way you operate. I mean, I, I know uh, it's personal to me in particular, but also I, and and I, I don't know what it's like across the industry, but I know that there are people out there that are looking at and reflecting on being able to find that sort of happiness and fulfillment at work. Uh, I think it's definitely been uh, sort of this, this trend and focus of, of, figuring out how to, uh, and, and also this may be just the way that I'm oriented, so I see the people that, that are into this, um, but that trend of being able to figure out how to bring your life in alignment with the work that you do, you know, mm. and uh, being able to find that uh, ability to to contribute in a meaningful way. And I think that's part of it is that one, there's the, the career and the type that I'm, I'm currently at, but also looking at, you know, how to, to use what I do and know to make a larger, um, a larger meaningful impact on, on the world, on, on, you know, this, the space that we live beyond just, you know, helping build widgets, how, how to be able to, to use that to contribute to, um, just the larger community that's out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad that you are doing that because I think it really makes a big difference when people are able to apply themselves to a job that they love. You did mention like that you reflect on, you know, whether you're happy, whether you're being fulfilled and that sort of guides you as to where you should be in your career. So, yes. And I mean, it's always an ongoing uh, challenge because there's, you know, it's work, work is never going to be exciting and engaging and, and thrilling 100% yeah. of the time, you know, life, life doesn't, is not 100% of the time going to be, you know, magic and wonderful and yeah. airbrushed and, you know, perfect. So I think it's figuring out how to, to be able to, to maintain all of that and to to keep focus on the things that are fulfilling and, and exciting and, uh, and nourishing, I guess, in the middle of just life and, and work and everything being messy in one way or another. Yeah, it, it's very different from our parents' generation, don't you think? I mean, I think today we have the luxury of really being able to apply ourselves to things that we're passionate about, you know. I mean, it's definitely more possible to do that today than it ever has been and I know that my parents generation they worked to keep a roof over their head oh yeah I definitely agree um you know my I know that 
uh, my my parents both both immigrated here, uh, you know, in the seventies, and and they had had very much come from a position of you know uh, working to be able to provide and to be able to create a future for for their children. Um, you know, my mom had been really lucky in that she she enjoyed uh, like she very much enjoyed enjoyed and applied herself in in the work that she was in, but at the same time, she, the the goal was always, you know, I'm able to create and, and be successful and be able to provide for my family and so on. Um, so she was very much oriented around that. My dad as well, he just, you know, uh, he, he he worked as a function of of knowing that this is, uh, this is something that I'm doing to be able to, you know, or earn a living and provide, but not necessarily that I'm doing this work because it inspires joy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so when they look at you kind of um, doing what you're doing, do they get you? Uh, not in the beginning. I mean, when I when I first switched off of going to, to med school into something different, then there were just a lot of uh, the the questions and, uh, and not... Uh, I, I, not so much not completely understanding, but just, just I think the concern of you know, are you doing the things that you need to build your future? And so I'd been working um, in in some different tech companies, and uh, somewhere early on in my career, I think I was probably around twenty five. I went out on my own and I started freelancing. I started a business doing tech consulting, and had done that for. A number of years and throughout that time there was the constant worry of you know are you going to be making enough is this going to be you know enough to support your future mm-hmm. and uh, and also just sort of uh gentle suggestions about you know you can uh is, is tech what you want to be doing or there, there are other stable career paths yeah. and so on so so there was a little bit of that and i think after time they, they really got the understanding of uh this and and me my career and what I wanted to be doing where I'm at and so on mm. how did you manage their worries I mean did you get worried when they were worried uh I, I don't think I got worried about myself I think there was maybe the instinctive you know parent child defensiveness of like I'm doing okay it's okay <laughs> you know yeah Oh, I know that well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, there, you know, sometimes gentle discussions, sometimes not as gentle discussions. But, yeah. you know, we, um, I think we're, we're at a good understanding of each other. I mean, especially now at this point, you know, we're, mm. um, having, having been here and doing this for so long. It's always so difficult, isn't it? Because um, to really carve out a career path in an industry that is, is itself growing uh it can be quite a strain on one's self-belief because it's like I want to believe in myself I want to believe that this is going to turn out good but I don't actually know because no one's ever done this or very few have trodden this path so how did you cope with all of that kind of stuff yeah oh Gosh, I'm still coping. <laughs> I mean, there's there's always a constant, especially when when working on and 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 making transitions into, you know, different different companies, working with different tech. There's always sort of these cycles of of um, figuring out how to uh, cope or handle. Like, I think that the constant. I have a lot of just the constant self pressure of of trying to be better and know more and. Um, especially with working on something new, having to handle just the frustration of feeling like, uh, like I need to be better or know more right away, or that I, what if I'm not able to, um, like, for example, I was working on a new, um, software system for a tool that, that we're putting out and there was, uh, a big, just learning curve of being able to go through the documentation and kind of self-read and, uh, experimenting and working on on tweaking the system to get everything up and running and just going through that cycle of things aren't working I'm not sure how am I good enough am I doing the right thing am I you know uh, there's there's always that self-battle of, of feeling feeling secure and 
like, am I competent in my job and so on. And so being able to talk myself down from, you know, the, that, uh, constant. And, and I mean, I think a, a lot of it is, is self, um, uh, self-created pressure. You know, there's nobody telling me that I'm bad at something. There's nobody telling me that I'm not doing well at my job. I mean, people are telling me the opposite, but it's still in my head, I'll go through these things and like, okay, I, I need to be doing this better. I need to be, you know, but figuring out how to do that where, uh, I'm at the point where, where, you know, once upon a time, I would do 60 hour weeks. I would do these crazy hours at uh, especially when I was consulting, you know, it's like, you, I would sleep at my computer, I wake up at my computer and I've gotten to the point where I'm like, no, I, I don't have to, I can be focused on and, uh, love the work that I'm doing and, and dedicated to, to doing a good job at work. But I can also say that, uh, you know, at some point I can finish with work at my place of employment and then look at doing my own projects or, you know, or spending time at home, you know, or spending time with my husband or, you know, building, uh, working on community stuff or, you know, even just like telling myself for a while, it got to be, uh, it, it took me a while to get to the point where I'm like, oh, I can, I can be okay feeling like I can just hang out and have, uh, a completely, you know, laptop off social evening with friends and be okay with, uh, that's not a networking event that we're just like sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not being productive in that moment in time. So it was something I had to let go of. It was that constant need of like feeling like uh, I've got to be productive. I've got to be, you know, achieving something. I've got to be doing something that's quote meaningful, but the meaningful thing is like something that you just tell yourself that this is meaningful or not meaningful or important or not important to be doing. Mm. Gosh, you sound so self-driven. Really inspiring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely something that I've been like just evolving as as a person to to. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> how how do you balance all those different factors of life? You know, the personal. You mentioned your married, the work. I mean, do you want to have children? You know, as a woman in technology. Um, is there a secret formula to having it all? I think if uh, there was, there would be people paying a lot of money to find that yeah. or to hear it. <laughs> I mean, myself included, I, I think that, uh, you know, family in the future, it's uh, it's still kind of a big uh, uh, question of just something that, you know, we're figuring out as we go. I mean, Yes, no, maybe. Yes, no, maybe. That's sort of the constant cycle, you know? Right. Uh, and uh, I think just as far as, as as balancing or integrating, I think now it's more looking at just sort of integrating all of the pieces of my life. And uh, uh, the I guess, I don't know if it's a movement or whatever you want to call it, but just the power of saying no to things is is something that I've definitely had to to start to be okay with is knowing that I it's just not possible to do everything or to be everything to everyone right and so being able to start to um more clearly prioritize and focus on um on the the things that that I know that are important, you know, and are important to be able to, to spend time on. So that might mean that some, something will be either cut out or to be able to say that, you know, Hey, it's okay. If I, if I decide not to take on another project or if I decide not to um, help out or volunteer for X or Y, or if I say that I'm not able to, uh, deliver on a deadline because I already have some other projects that are important. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just being able to figure out how to um, prioritize all of that and to be able to look at and, and do the things that are important and to have sort of the confidence in myself to say that, you know, this um, 
like maybe having having some time off on a Sunday to be able to to recharge and take a break is more important than having to you know uh, work on this website or to help somebody with uh, you know planning a community event or something mm. like that. And and I think there's a way to be able to set those personal expectations and the expectations with other people in a way that is not um, it's not necessarily like you're being rude or saying, well, no, I don't want to do that. It's more of just having the boundaries around that uh, uh, and, and that personal space around the things that, you know, you need to, to do in life. And that's always, it's always growing, you know, it's always, it's always a, uh, a work in progress to figure out. Yeah. Um, I mean, with a lack of boundaries, because you were scared you might lose out on something. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's part of, partially that just the um, the desire to be able to do and, and to be able to do and be things for other people, you know. But was that for to meet other people's expectations, or was that to meet your own expectations of yourself? Uh, I think probably a bit of both. <laughs> right. Yeah. It sounds like you know most women have that experience, um, or at least you know many of the women on my show experience kind of needing to do as much as they can in order to get where they want to go in their careers um totally and sometimes I think women have kind of reported that they have to work even harder than their male counterparts just to prove themselves um do you think that's why you push yourself so hard uh or are you just very um, strongly self-driven regardless? I'm not, I don't know if, if that's why I push myself personally. I have um, kind of had that built in, but I, I know that as far as just being in industry, something that I've seen is that uh, because, because there are fewer women that are in some of these fields like that are in tech, for example, uh, it's there, there's part, part of it is, is, uh, having to, to work and pull up a little bit more because it's almost like, um, some, sometimes what will happen is that, you know, uh, the, the, the woman, the soul, the woman that's there ends up being kind of the spokesperson or figurehead or whatever for, for all other women in tech, so almost like their, yeah. their achievements or accomplishments are scrutinized to that level and then then become reflective of other women that are <laughs> doing yeah. similar roles. It's like you have to, you've you got to uh, be the speaker or be the achiever for, for everyone. The representative. <laughs> is, yeah, women. the representative, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. But sometimes it's, it's, like one, yeah, I think it's it's important to continue having dialogues, um, and then it's it's also um, challenging sometimes too because there are days where you know uh, you want to be able to just come in and do your work and not have to worry about all of the the gender issues, but it's they're they're there, mm. um, and and sometimes it's like, well, I wish I could just focus on on doing my job and doing the tech, you know, mm. but I think as an industry and as a community, everybody's very much. Um, interested in that conversation and what we're we're kind of going to collectively do to make sure that it is uh, a place that has the sort of the the diversity and the richness of experiences and backgrounds and, and everything yeah i mean we met through a women in tech event um that you organized um and you know why did you feel like you needed to organize events like that um, so I had gotten uh, very involved, uh, both at a leadership level and now, uh, just because I had kind of scaled back at, at a much smaller level with, with helping to, uh, create and, and run different women's tech events. And I think part of that was just to be able to create that sense of, of community of, of women with shared experiences and some, some experiences that aren't shared, but where everybody could kind of relate to each other and feel that sense of, 
of belonging, of being able to have resources and other people to to reach out to that have kind of have that understanding of of being a woman in in some of these industries, and also just to be in, able to in encourage in a few different ways. One <clears throat> uh, for kind of retention, like the, the more that you're able to feel like there's this community around you and supporting you, uh, the less likely that you'll um, drop out of something that's STEM or engineering related because one, uh, it's part of it is being able to encourage more women to enter that field because they they can relate to it in one way or another. It, and it's it's whether it's like a psychological thing or whatever, if you're if you're looking at or exploring a field and you don't see anybody that is is like you or you feel like you might not have that sense of belonging because everybody that you know that's an engineer is a male, for example, or has a completely different background from you, then it one, there's less likelihood to to even enter or explore that field to begin with because you don't associate that with something that you want or or with a direction that you want to go. And then there's a second piece of it of of retain retention and being able to stay in the industry. So I think having groups like this that aren't really exclusionary, but they're inclusive and they are encouraging and supportive just helps so that we have this sort of uh, shared space to be able to support each other. So I think that was a lot of it was just that I had been kind of excited by the idea of having a space where people can be able to connect and people have had positive experiences and people have had negative experiences. And I think providing a space where everyone can kind of feel, feel safe and encouraged in spite of or in spite of anything that may have happened um, is, is an important thing to have. Yeah. I mean, from everything that we've been talking about, I don't get the impression that you identify yourself as being in a minority or maybe you're just extremely strong about it. But I don't feel like uh, you feel disadvantaged being a woman in tech. Yeah, I suppose not. And I think maybe part of it is just that as... Uh, as a kid, I'd always been in the minority as far as the things that I was interested in. I was always like interested in things that, uh, you know, just with, with the school and the place that I was at, like the things that I was into, other people just didn't care or weren't interested. So, you know, I, I've got, yeah, I, I've gotten kind of used to it, which I, I'm not, not saying that that's a good right. thing. I mean, I think it would have friends at that age that were like, oh, cool. Like we can uh, pretend to be outdoor archaeologists, like digging in the garden or something. <laughs> um, like that would have been amazing. But I, you know, I think I, I had just gotten to where I knew that there were, that there was a lot of things that I was into or that were maybe like weird or not things that other, other kids weren't. Um, and so I think maybe more as a, um, maybe just by, by numbers of gender, but, uh, I think I've, I've gotten to where I, um, look for, for the positive things and, uh, be able to use that to just be able to, to kind of continue to move forward. Hmm. I mean, considering that, you know, you have had a childhood, like that where you have felt like a minority um you do incredibly well in bringing people together um so you know you've really turned things Thank around you. in that sense of bringing women in tech together as a community um so you know maybe the challenge you faced when you were young has kind of paid off as an adult because it's given you the motivation to not experience that <laughs> kind of marginalized feeling again. Yeah, I know. I think definitely. Um, just, I'm really curious to know, like, you know, the fact that you're married, um, how, what has been your reflections on starting a family? Because obviously it's one of the major things that women can do. Um, and so what has been your sort of like, thought process through it um so I'm, I'm pretty newly married actually uh we uh had, had been engaged for some time and uh just ended up you know there were a lot of different life things happening you know family 
uh, and so on. And so we had, had gotten engaged and then postponed for a bit. And so finally we just ended up you know, running away and eloping at the end of last year. So it's just been a few months or so. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Cause I don't remember, <laughs> you know, the times we've met, I don't remember you being married and I was like, Oh, wow. I'm so surprised. Mm. I never knew that. But, okay. It's a recent thing. That makes yeah. Sense. And, and, and I guess it's a, uh, a complicated thing. Cause, uh, you know, I, I had been, uh, uh, previously married and divorced, and and one of the big things at, at the point when I had divorced my ex is like we were we were having some really intense discussions about starting a family where he was really interested in starting one, but at the time we just weren't really at a, a stable place. Um, you know, I, I was freelancing. He just you know had um, didn't have a stable work history for various reasons and. Uh, you know, I, and, and I come from like this place of like, well, no, we need to be responsible. We need to plan. And if, we, if we're going to do a family, then we're going to, you know, make sure that um, things are, are stable and we're in a position to be able to do that. Uh, and my ex had been kind of like, no, throw caution to the wind. It's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out and make it work. And I'm like, well, you have to pay for formula and diapers and childcare and all this other stuff. So um, that was kind of one of the driving reasons that, um, well, that that was part of it. There was there was a lot of other other reasons where why uh, uh, we weren't right for each other, mm. um, and so so now I think it's something that we we definitely have been able to have just these these very good discussions with each other, and it's something that you know we're we're just taking uh, you know a not so much a day at a time, but, you know, we're, we're just planning and looking at, um, what our future looks like. And, um, I mean, it's definitely something that's on the table that we're figuring out mm. as we go, I guess. I mean, I know as, and, and it, it's definitely something that as, uh, a woman that you have certain, uh, timeframes yeah. for, like I've got friends that have gone and, uh, through the process of freezing eggs, and I mean, because that it's been, become a thing apparently up in Silicon Valley and other places, yeah. have these egg freezing parties now. But it's also a really intense and invasive uh, process, and it's uh, expensive and, and painful, from what I've heard. Yeah, and also I don't know many women um, who have actually used them. They're frozen eggs. So, you know, I think we're in an era where the technology of egg freezing kind of gives hope, but there hasn't been enough of that technology around to see the result of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also just other people that are peers of, um, like I've had friends that have gone through just uh, fertility issues and treatments and so on. And so there, there are a lot of these real life concerns that, that are there. And, you know, all of that, of course, just kind of sits and uh, it, it, it camps out in its special section yeah. of your brain, you know? <laughs> so I think it's just part of, um, I, I think uh, I may not have a, a very clear answer for you as far as planning mm. goes right now, but maybe come back to me in six months yeah. or a year and I'll have, I'll have some answers for you. Yeah. I mean, that really is a, a kind of great note to end on because honestly, I feel like women in STEM um, are juggling so much um, in terms of, you know, getting educated, learning how to be in the workplace, building a career, um, progressing in that career and it's kind of like a situation whereby this idea of starting a family and doing all those very maternal things gets slightly pushed to one side and then you reach an age where you're like oh I haven't given that any thought because I've been focusing on my career so much um, I better do something about it and sometimes it can be just that little bit too late so you know, I appreciate your honesty in saying I don't have an answer for you right now because I think that really uh, represents what a lot of women are going through at the moment where they're just wanting to follow their heart career-wise. Um, but somewhere in their brain, there is this little kind of section that's going, oh, there's this kid thing. 
um, that I need to address at some point when the time feels right. And um, I don't think anyone's got the magic formula as to how to do that yet Mm -hmm. uh, without some kind of compromise being involved. Totally, totally. Um, And it's just, you know, I think a matter of people figuring out with where, where they're at, um, where they, where they want their life to, to be, or what, I guess more like what they want their life Mm. to, to look like down the road, you know, do you picture that, you know, um, uh, family, do you picture the career, do you, because, you know, now, now you may want one thing, but, um, five years down the line or 10 years down the line, you could be in a completely different space. And, uh, it's like all, all the things, it's not like it's, it's, like nothing is impossible, but just, you know, it's like the things that we do now end up taking us somewhere. Yeah. And we'll readjust, but you know, it it takes us in one direction or or another. Yeah. I mean, you know, we live in very uh, interesting times, I think, where there seems to be more questions than answers the way technology and science is going. But thank you so much for sharing your reality with us. It's just been really interesting to see how a woman that has a lot of the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle is attempting to put those pieces together. It's it's just been very interesting to see you doing that, you know, sort of like formulating your vision of how you want your life to look. Um, so it's just been fantastic listening to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. That's it from my STEM guest this week. What an interesting conversation about a time in your life where you've got the whole world at your feet, it seems, you know, having chosen your career path, met the one, and yet with all of those pieces of the jigsaw, it's still about formulating that picture and and really always checking in with your heart and um, asking yourself, am I happy? And is this really what I want? Um, I guess has really inspired me about the process of doing that and the fact that it is ongoing. Thank you so much for listening this week. Please do subscribe and leave comments and reviews and I'll catch you next week on Silence.